And we're back with another edition of the MDM Podcast. As I watch the Islanders take a 5-1 lead against the Capitals. Good job, Jordan, that really. It's 5-1. Uh, Brayden Holpe's coming after getting um, sevens last game. And we're back. <laughs> MDM Podcast. Uh, pitchers and catchers day, specifically for the Mets. Happy opening day. Spring training opening day. Mets fans, I'll join you guys tomorrow when the Yankees report. But um, that's what we're here to do today. Spring training storylines for the Yankees and the Mets. And uh, just to wrap up the baseball offseason, I've got some Mookie Betts to talk about, uh, Stevie Cohen, if we stay on the Mets, the new Astros cheating stuff, MLB's odd proposal of playoff teams and stuff. I, I'm still confused by it. Uh, we'll get into that after the Yankees and the Mets. So we'll start with the Yankees uh, opening up February 22nd against the Blue Jays? I don't... They open up 22nd at home, and it's going to be on yes. But... Just recently, their fifth starter became open. As we talked about in the last show, James Paxton, he gets hurt. He's going to be out till May with that back problem, the back cyst. So you have the fifth starter open now behind Cole, Tanaka, Sevi, and uh, Jay Happ, who's guaranteed a spot now. For me, it's going to be between uh, Jordan Montgomery, Mike King, Jordan La- uh, Jordan Lysica, Johnny Lysica, and Debbie Garcia. Uh, I don't want Garcia. I want him to have the capital score again. I want, <laughs> I want him to stay in the minor leagues and get at least get the service time for the extra year, which will be taken out in the 20, 2022 collective bargaining agreement. But give him the extra year of control by just going with Jordan Montgomery for the fifth starter. To me, it's really clear. Before this guy had Tommy John surgery, he was a really, really good pitcher. And you saw it last year in just about seven innings with the Yankees. He was really good. And Michael King, I'm sorry, Michael King has about two innings under his belt. Johnny ago, we haven't really seen a lot of him and, and him in the rotation. I also put down Luis Sessa. He's the long reliever. He's had history starting. If he has a good spring, maybe he jumps in the rotation. But right now, Jordan Montgomery, he's got to be your fit starter. He's had rotation experience. He's had success in this rotation. He's had success at Yankee Stadium. He's had success against the AL East. He's your fifth starter for me. Um, it's a good thing Hap wasn't traded. Uh, without Hap, you'd have two spots open now. And maybe you would explore going to a Loisga or a Devi Garcia or a moving Luis Sessa back to the rotation. Um, but yeah, I, I'm all for Jordan Montgomery. Nick, Nick Ahmed was extended for uh, four years. Good for Nick Ahmed. Thank you, John Heyman, for telling me. Um, but I wouldn't completely write off Johnny Loisga and Mike King. I liked him in the bullpen this year because Mike King, he's had all that success at AAA. There's no sense keeping him down there. It's like the Rangers in New York, Michigan. How much longer can you stay in the minors? At some point, you're, you're done facing minor leaguers. You need to be at the next level. That's where I am with Mike King. And on the wise guy, like I said, we've seen a bunch of them. I don't, I don't really care for him that much. But um, Jordan Montgomery, fifth starter. At third base, this is an interesting one. Going into Tampa, Urshela is the starting third baseman. It's his job to lose. It was a Brian Cashman's words as I take a sip of water. Spring training will give us a chance to see Andujar's defense, which is subpart of Urshela, obviously. Urshela, uh, not Urshela. Andujar has minor league options. So in the event that Andujar doesn't perform coming back from these injuries, you have the ability to send him to the minor leagues. Don't rule it out, and only if he has a bad spring. If he has a good spring, 
then maybe you see him hop into the outfield where he's been taking reps. And based off of the two or three videos I've seen, he doesn't look that great in the outfield. It's a joke putting him in the outfield. He can't play third base. What makes you think he can play left field? And knowing the Yankees, they'll put him in left field if he can catch a ball. If he can catch a ball, he's going to play left field. If Urshela performs too. This goes back to Urshela. Is he a one-year wonder or is he a player that could have sustained success? And you can't do this with Urshela because he doesn't have options left. And the hard does. Even if they have similar offenses, let's say they both hit 220. If they both hit 220 in spring, you could still see Andahar option, and Urshela gets the job just because he has no options, and he went into the spring training as the third baseman. I could totally see that. Working left field, like I said, it's probably not going to work. Andahar's probably safe unless he really struggles. And left field is still wide open. Giancarlo Stanton, you want him to be your DH. Like Andahar, it's probably not as bad as Andahar, but Stanton's not the best fielder either. He has the booming arm like Judge, but this guy's a DH. And if he's going to hit 49, 50 home runs, I, that's fine having him as a DH. I mentioned left field because this job is between Stanton, Andahar, and Talkman. Oh, and don't forget Clint Frazier. If Andahar and, Ur- and Urshel, like I said, both play good, and Andahar can catch a fly ball. Stanton could DH, and you could have Talkman platoon with Gardner in center field while Aaron Hicks is out. Mike Talkman hit around 300 last year. And the lefty swing with a short porch, I don't see regression from him. When they got him from the Rockies last year, he was a career 320 hitter in the minor leagues. And he came up to the major leagues and hit 300. And for lefties at Yankee Stadium, he's going to have success. Like Gardner did. He had a career year at the age of 35 with the juice balls. So if Andahar is optioned or takes the third base job, Stanton could DH, and you could have Talkman and Frazier platoon left field. Talkman plays against the righties. Frazier plays against the lefties. I don't know if they do this, though. We know how much the Yankees don't like Clint Frazier for some reason. But the Yankees don't want to miss Andahar's back. This all revolves around Andahar, by the way. He's a guy you got to look for in spring training. And of everyone on this list, he's the guy you're looking for. Everything on this list, with the, with the exception of the backup catcher and the fifth starter, all revolves around Andahar. And that still involves center field and first base, which we got to get to. But like I said, they don't want to miss Andohar's bat. So if that's the case, then Clint Frazier goes back to the minor leagues like he's used to. Because the Yankees don't like him. He's going to play another year in Scranton. Connor Foley will get tweets about how good he's doing in Scranton. And then he'll come up when someone gets injured, and then he's sent back down. He'll get angry and change his Instagram bio. We know how, we know the routine by now. Clint Frazier's not happy here. But over to, over to center field, Aaron Hicks... Tommy John surgery's out till June or July. And until then, the Yankees brought back Brett Garner in a one-year deal. After that career year where he had about 25 home runs. Talkman's nice seeing him season. It's going to get him playing time, like I said. So like listed before, 
Talkman and Frazier can platoon in left end. Gardner can play a lot of center field like he's designed to. And I like him and Judge. Gardner center, Judge and right. Those two mesh really well together in the outfield. If you go and sit in right field, right next to the bullpen, like I do every a couple times a year, you guys have so much fun together. They mesh. And it's funny because Judge is tall and Gardner is short. So when these two are having their shenanigans in the outfield in a game in August against the Orioles, there's a bit of chemistry there with Gardner and Judge. So as for center field, we'll leave it up to Gardner and Talkman, little platoon, and over to first base. This one's pretty simple. It's a it's Void's job to lose. Bearing all the injuries, Mike Ford will probably miss the roster even with the increased twenty six men. Uh, it, it, they both can't play other positions, so there's no sense carrying an extra first baseman. If Mike Ford or Luke Voigt can't play other positions, it's not like you could slot him in at third base or right field. You have the benefit of the DH, but you're going to use his DH a lot now with Sanchez and Stanton. I'm sure they want a DH, so a lot of judge. They don't actually. That's a lie. Just going to play a lot of a lot of right field. But you're going to see guys like Stanton and Dahar, maybe even Voigt DH a lot because they have this versatility. You could have LeMahieu play first base. I'm sure if you wanted to, you could have Andahar play first base. And that's what's great about this team. They have a lot of options now. And now, as we approach the 10-minute mark, let's head over to backup catcher. Hagee, Kyle Higashioka, he's going to be Gary's backup. Again, bearing all injuries to either Hagee or Gary. In case of any injury, <laughs> the Yankees brought in about a billion guys as extra catchers. All these guys are going to be listed in service time. Chris Lionetta from the Rockies, former Met Josh Tolley. Uh, Eric Kratz, he played with the Yankees a bunch. They'd all be in line in case of an injury. And I list them in that order. That's the order I think if someone got hurt, that's what they would do. Oh, uh, You'll probably also have one of them stick around in Scranton, just a worst-case scenario, because Gary, he's been hurt twice in the last two seasons. So he's a little unreliable. And you're going to see a lot of Higgy this year. And Higgy's got that pop in his bat. And that's what the Yankees like about him. He's had an option. So they're kind of stuck with him to be that backup catcher. He's always been the third catcher. Now he's going to be the backup catcher. And I'm ready for Higgy time. Glaber Torres moving the shortstop. He originally was a shortstop. He was moved over because of DD and he had Tommy John surgery. And I'm not going to spend much time on this. I read up that uh, the questions about his footwork. He should be fine. There's, there's plenty. Listen, I, I read you 10 minutes worth of stuff. There's plenty of things to, to be worried about other than Glaber Torres playing shortstop. So let's wrap it up with the Yankees. Here are my roster predictions going into spring training. So obviously you'll have Gary Sanchez catching. I think Luke Voigt makes it at first. LeMahieu at second. I think Urshela makes it. I don't think he gets cut. Torres will go to short. Judge in right. Gardner in center. I think Stanton makes it. I think Andahar makes it. Hey, he's a backup catcher. Talkman will make it. I got Wade in there. He's a Swiss Army knife. You put him wherever you want. Clint Frazier, I think he makes it. And the only guy to miss is Mike Ford. And this is with the 26 men. Remember, you have the extra the extra man where you could do 13 and 13. You have to do 13 position plays, 13 pitchers. And with five starters, 
it leaves you with eight relievers. And on the offensive side, you have that one extra guy who's probably going to be Wade or Frazier. Like I said, Wade plays everywhere. And although the Yankees don't like Frazier, it's better than the alternatives. Dario Estrada played two games last year. He was good. But it's Clint Frazier. He's been sitting in the minor leagues forever. Give the guy some playing time. And I think Mike Ford misses. Just like I said, he doesn't play other positions just like Luke Voigt. So if you had to go with one, obviously you choose Voigt. Mike Ford, he's a journeyman. He was there for a couple games last year because he had to. He was a good player. But he can't he can't start first base for the Yankees. Come on. I'm sorry if you like him. He's not making it. Over to the National League Baseball Club in New York, the New York Metropolitans. I didn't take a sip of Warrell. And the only uh only baseball can take the Mets and the Mets fan mind off all of the off-season chaos that this team has suffered through. With the Stevie Cohen stuff, which we'll get to at the end of the Mets stuff, Carlos Beltran's involvement with the Astros, the hiring of Lu- uh, Luis Rojas, the Capitals just scored a power play goal with three minutes left in the second. A lot of stuff has happened with the Mets, and baseball is going to take the mind off of all of it. Starting with the fourth and fifth starters, just like the Yankees, but the Mets also, there's some competition for the fourth starter. Steven Matt should go into spring training, in my opinion, as the fourth starter. He's been here forever. The The potential for him is through the roof. We haven't seen his full potential yet. I think we get it very soon. So he's got to be your fourth starter behind the Grom Syndergaard and Stroman. Those are your one, two, three. So that leaves you with Porcello and Waka. For the fifth spot. Drop my pen. Walker's injury history might not get him out of spring training. So let's just say everyone stays healthy, right? Everyone stays healthy. In that case, it's got to go to the veteran Rick Porcello. What I like about Rick Porcello, he he, he starts 32 games a year. Yeah, sure, he gives you four and a half ERA. But from a fifth starter, just go out there and throw. Save the bullpen from, 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 give him a rest. And this bullpen's going to get a rest. This rotation is very, very, very deep. And if any one of them struggles, bam, Walker's there. Bam, Lugo's there. Giselman's there. Rotation depth is there. That's all you need from your fifth starter. 30 starts. Don't worry about the, the stats. Make sure just make sure he's healthy. Over to the closer now. And I think I I, I think I'm in a minority here. Seth Lugo's gotta go into the spring as the closer. He carried this bullpen last year when they were falling apart it, all throughout that summer. He was the one consistent in this bullpen. And Edwin Diaz a bad year. Doesn't give him the right to come in and act as the closer now. You gotta earn that back. Not only earn the job back, you gotta earn the Mets fans back. They don't like you right now. <laughs> After that awful year. A lot of them are calling for your heads. They wanted you traded. 
It's a good thing you're there. You and Batanzas provide depth for, for, for the closing role. If Lugos, listen, if Lugos struggles and, and Diaz is good, yeah, take over. But on February 22nd, when they're playing that split squad game, Lugos got to be the closer going into the year. It's only fair to him. Don't go into the year and throw it all away. Let me drink. Now over to left field. JV da- JD Davis goes to the Port St. Lucie as the left fielder. If Cespedes isn't ready, then Davis and Dom Smith will platoon in left. This isn't ideal because Dom Smith can't play left field. He's not a good left fielder. And if Cespedes is back, then things get super complicated. But let's go back to, to, to the Dom Smith for a second. There's no role for him on this team. Dom Smith is a young first baseman. That's it. He's a first baseman. It's cool that you can stick him in the outfield sometimes, but the Mets, they don't have a DH. So what are you holding on to this guy for? I think the, the idea here is to trade him. There's no room for him. And you just complicate things in the outfield now. You have a pretty crowded outfield now. You do. Cespedes, Davis, Marisnik, Nimmo, Conforto. List goes on. It's a crowded outfield. And Donald Smith proved himself last year. He was a great hitter when he was healthy. But that was when he was healthy. And when he wasn't healthy, Pete Alonso had 50 home runs. One rookie of the year. So you got a question here with Davis. I mean, with uh, with Dom Smith. I think I think the ideal thing is to trade him. He can play first base on a contender right now, but there's no room for him here. Over to center field. Nimmo played a bunch of center last year. He was okay. He's not a center fielder. And the acquisition of Jake Marisnik it gives him depth. That's against Aaron Altair last year. He was your your center field depth in, in Syracuse. But there's there's no center fielder here. I got into a couple arguments on Twitter about, about Starling Marte. I thought he was a perfect fit here for the right price. That was what it all was. It was for the right price. Don't go and throw away all your assets for Starling Marte. He's a great player, but is, is he is he worth two top prospects? No. Maybe that was a deal you threw in Donald Smith for if the Pirates were interested, which they probably weren't. But these are things you do with Donald Smith. That's who you trade him for. You trade him for pieces you need. And Nimmo's going to play center field, without a doubt. You could slot him in there. He'll be fine. Man, he's not a center fielder. So, yet again, since Beltron, the Mets do not have a legitimate center fielder. And Jake Murray's like the 320 hitter. Let's see if he holds it down. Let's see if he plays every day. He probably isn't. In reality, he's a fourth. He's a bench bat. He's a fourth outfielder. So, we'll see how that unfolds for the Mets. I don't have predictions for them. Um, but, yeah, everything's pretty much set in stone for them besides the rotation on bullpen. Uh, let's mention Stevie Cohen a little bit because I didn't do anything on this. I was going to do a show on it, but I ended up scratching it. The deal fell apart. Um, Jeff's, Jeff Wilpon wanted five more years controlling the team. 
and a 100% raise from 2 million to 4 million by the end of the five years. And it was at that point, Stevie Cohen was like, yeah, screw off. Jeff, Jeff Wilpon's insane. To think, keeping the team for five years so he could sit in his suite, so he could see what's going on. Imagine you sell a car. Imagine you sell a car, but you want to drive it for another five years. It's still your car, but I want to use it. I sell you a house, but I I, I want to use your basement. Your basement's huge. I want to watch. I want to watch, you know. I want to watch Yankee down there. It's not how it works, dude. You sell the team and you move on. The Mets are Jeff Wilpon's baby, but at some point, like Saul Katz's family said, they don't want Jeff Wilpon on the team. The Katz family is done doing this. They don't want to be involved. So Jeff Wilpon, you got to find someone quick. And they released a statement today saying, team is still for sale, and they're not going to make the mistake of releasing information before anything is official, like um, previously listed. So, there's that. Let's move on to the Mookie Betts deal. We did a show on it, actually. Whether trade, we thought trade was done. But it wasn't. <laughs> Uh, the Red Sox were on holdout after finding out that Gratterall's injury history, where he goes from a starter to a reliever, they didn't see him as a starting pitcher. So when you're trading for a relief pitcher, I see where the Red Sox were coming from. They didn't want someone who's going to be in the bullpen their whole career for Mookie Betts. I get what they were doing. But you think you look into the medical history before... Before you make the trade, you can ask any basic fan. He was in the bullpen last year. And he was going to start games? The Red Sox were also pressured by by local media. And Heim uh, Bloom, you've been here for, for, for two minutes. And you're already cracking under pressure from the media? Dude, get a grip. You worked in Tampa. I know it's a little more laid back there, but now you're in Boston. This is a big market here. Boston's a huge market. They expect winning. They've done a lot of winning this decade. Not this decade. This a century. It's a new decade. I forget. <laughs> you come in here for a few months, and you're already cracking under the pressure from the media. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. You got to trust yourself when you make these deals. You have a plan. You think this deal will make your team better now and years to come. That's all. Don't worry what Peter Gavin's writes. Don't worry what's written in the Boston Globe. This is your deal. And what you says goes. That's all there is to it. Not only were the Boston media pissed, but Art Morano and the Angels, he's the owner of the Angels, they were upset. That the Dodgers weren't doing their part. If you remember the show we did about the original Betts deal, the Angels were getting Jacques Peterson and Ross Stripling for Luis Regifo. So when the Red Sox held out for a better prospect from Minnesota, the Angels were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pitchers and catchers report this week. We, we want our guys. 
And rightfully so. But Miranda, you guys haven't won with the with the greatest player that any any kid's gonna see. You haven't won with him. You don't call the shots here. The Dodgers are the big guns. Seven straight division championships. Red Sox, four championships this century. They're calling the shots. Angels, you're 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 second class citizens here. Calm down. But after all that, Shreya actually got done today. Just just as I walked in the door about seven o'clock and it happened. Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and we're not doing the Jeter jokes here, and a lower catching prospect, they're going to Boston for bets and price. The Dodgers are taking half of Price's $96 million deal, uh, which means it's they're getting three years of $48 million for Price. That's $16 million a year. Still a lot of money, but compared to the $32 million the Red Sox are paying, yeah, <laughs> that's a good deal. So the Red Sox is there throwing out $48 million for no David Price. He was going to earn $32 million a year. Looking back on that was an awful contract. But instead of going to the Red Sox, Gratterall's going to the Dodgers now in a separate trade not related to the Red Sox for Kenta Maeda. And like I said in the other episode, this bolsters a super, super weak Minnesota Twins rotation. And the Twins, just like the Angels, they were upset too. And... And they told the Red Sox to get a life by sending prospects to the Dodgers. They were upset that they didn't look into medical history like I said before. You got to do your homework before you go into this stuff, Red Sox. So the Red Sox, uh, the, the Twins were upset. And at this point for the Los Angeles Dodgers, you got your superstar. You got your superstar, right fielder. It's all or nothing now. Traded away future assets and parts of the team right now for a generational player in bets. They're not going to extend him. And for the same reason the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts, he wants to hit free agency, rightfully so. If the Dodgers and or Red Sox extended him, he wouldn't have known what he would have gotten from the open market. Very smart deal on the side of bets not extending. Very smart deal. And after seven division championships in a row, a couple World Series runs and deep playoff runs, the Dodgers got to get something going here. They've got to. It's all or nothing, like I said. Now, I do want to mention... This new uh, Astros cheating, another Astros cheating scandal related to the sign stealing. And every time new stuff comes out for this, the the angrier I get at not only Astros, but Major League Baseball. Because what they're doing here is they're hiding this stuff from us. I mentioned it before, why, why is Major League Baseball so politicized? Why can't they just be truthful with the, with their fans? That's the point here. You be transparent with the fans. Is it an issue in national security? You could tell us what's going on with teams. So anyway, Justin Diamond, I think that's the, or I think that's the who it was, right? Here, let me look it up. Uh 
as I look at it. Anyway, there was a cheating scandal because the Astros, what they did was not only before 2017, but in 2016, fired manager Jeff Lunau, Jared Diamond, that's who, that's who is the author of this article. Cheating scan- the cheating scandal was reportedly went beyond banging the trash can during home games. There was a program called Codebreaker, or as Astros employees called it, the dark arts, like it was like it's freaking Hogwarts. That's what they called it. And here Jeff Lunau was involved. Contrary to MLB's memo, when the Reds, when the Astros were punished, saying that they had the front office was, had no idea what was going on, it was all player driven. Now you know what it wasn't. And I'll rip man for it in a second. And just after I give you all the information here, Luna was approached by a team intern in 2016 with a presentation on an Excel-based application that could decode signs from opposing catchers. All the code breaker stuff was used by front offices, con- uh, contrary to Manfred's report where he said it was player-driven, like I said. Per Jared Diamond, code breaker would operate by having someone watch a live feed of games and log catcher signs into the spreadsheet with the pitch that was thrown. The algorithm would break down the correlation between signs and pitches that would later evolve into employees banging on trash cans. So here's Rob Manfred getting involved now. In January, he released his memo with the Astros punishment saying how it was all player-driven. Here's the new stuff coming out. This is from the front office now. So Manfred and his team lied about all this stuff. I don't know who he's protecting. Like I said, it's baseball, not national security. Lied about his memo, saying it was only players and coaches who did this. This is stemming from the front office now. In an email sent by Koch Wester, he was the uh, intern who is now the... Uh, what is he? He is the senior manager of team operations, currently employed by the Astros. In this email from May 24th, 2017, titled Road Notes, April, May. Again, also in the memo, it was only at home. These were road games too. So that's two strikes, Rob Manfred, of lying. I'm writing it down now. That's two strikes. Five-page email included six underlined topic headings, with the fifth one called The System, a reference to what Koch Wester described to investigators as all kind of covert operations, including science stealing. Luno told investigators he didn't read the full email because of its length, and that he was unfamiliar with the, te- with the, ter- uh, the term The System. Two people familiar with the matter said it was generally known in the Astros front office that Lunell expected his staff to put a re- to put relevant information in the first page of any email. Think about this for a second. The Astros here are now professional liars. Do you believe a general manager of a baseball team when he's illegally trying to gain an advantage over uh, any other team? 
is not reading through emails telling him about his system? He wasn't in the loop of this? Nothing they say now, I believe. Absolutely nothing. On August 26, 2017, in another Road Notes email, Kaj Lesser wrote, The system, our dark arts, sign-stealing department, has been less productive in the second half as the league has become aware of our reputation, and now most clubs change their sign dozens of times per game. He added that struggling teams like the Toronto Blue Jays and Oakland Athletics seem not to care as much. And there you go into players and and how their careers are ruined with the Blue Jays and teams not competitive who probably won't weren't resigned after that. Like any drink. Lou now replied two weeks later to the email that this report was very helpful. So, like I said, Kosh is still employed by the Astros as senior manager of team operations. And this it it gets me so worked up that Major League Baseball again lied. Rob Manfred's memo, like I said earlier, player driven. We know that's not true. Luna have not had no idea. That's not true. Is there anything else you want to tell us, MLB? While 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 you're getting exposed, anything else? As for owner Jim Crane, how is it innocent is he? He has the nerve to go out and fire Lunau and Hinch. Why are we not to believe that he knew what was going on? He claims he didn't. Again, professional liars. Jim Crane, the Astros owner, knew what was going on. Without a doubt, he knew. And this report came out, I still said that. I still believed he knew. Because this guy definitely went around his ballpark and saw monitors posted right outside the dugout. That way, you still signs. And then AJ Hinge's interview with Tom Verducci, where he was, where he's trying to get hired again, he, he made himself look like a bigger fool. He was firm on all of his answers, except the question about the buzzers. And as I'm watching this, where he could have just given a simple yes or no answer if it wasn't true. Red flags are flying everywhere now. We have reason to believe that they were using buzzers. And MLB, strike three. You said they weren't using buzzards. One, two, three, you're out. The integrity of the game is now in shambles here. They messed up here. We have the right to question everything the Astros do. Everything they achieve now is tainted. And we have the right to be angry about this now. Not only at the Astros, but Major League Baseball for covering it all up. It's a disgrace to the league at this point. And it's a disgrace to every team. And shame on the Players Union for not coming out and supporting their members. Yes, MLB Players Union supports the Astros. There are 29 other teams here that were affected by this. Not a word from Tony Clark. He had the nerve to come out here and, and talk about the, 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 the Mookie Betts trade. Where is he about the Astros cheating scandal? Not a sight. 
as I cool myself off, like I said, I get worked up over that. Oh, God. How long till baseball? We'll wrap things up here with MLB's proposed playoff plan. Another genius Rob Manfred idea. Um, Sarcasm, of course. Before this all Astro stuff, I was very supportive of Rob Manfred. Not very. I was supportive of Rob Manfred. I thought his some of his ideas were, were crazy. Like the pit like uh, the, the 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 three batter minimum rule for the pitchers. Not a fan of it. But you know what we'll, we'll give it we'll give it a shot. The twenty six rosters, sure. We'll, let's give it a shot. But this right here, this is an this is an all time low. So the new playoff plan, seven teams per league. The first team would get a bye week. Um, a bye round, not not football. Like they normally do. The first ranked team doesn't have to play in the no it, no, 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 I'm lying. I'm lying. The next, yeah. So the first round, the first team would get the buy round. They wouldn't have to play in the so-called wild card round, like you see in football. The next three teams, the two division winners plus one, plus one wild card team. There's going to be four wild card teams in this plan. I should add, four wild card teams. One of them gets a top seed. So the best of the two division winners here, you're writing follow along here. The best of the two division winners would choose out of the three lower wildcard teams which team he wants, the, the team they want to face. I don't know who would choose. I don't know if it's an owner. I don't know if it's a GM. I don't know if it's the manager. But one of them would choose. The next team, the second, the no, the worst division, the worst division winner. He would choose out of the two remaining wildcard teams, and then the best wildcard team would play the remaining wildcard team, which would probably be the best one. They want to make it into a reality TV kind of thing, just like the NCAA has with Selection Sunday. And I've talked to a lot of people about this. Like I said, I've been I've I've been pretty fair with Manfred. I think uh, he's he's not bad. If this stuff came into play, that would just be a joke. Enough with reinventing the game. Baseball's been around since around 1840. I watched a lot of Ken Burns. I know a lot about this stuff. It's been around well over 100 years. We survived without the DH. We survived without a playoff. We survived with two play. We survived with just one round of the playoffs in the World Series. We survive without the DH, like I said. Do you think we can survive without seven playoff teams in each league? 14 overall. The point of this was to get the the games to mean something. You have 162 games in a season. Not, not every game is going to be so exciting. Like right now, I'm watching the Islanders take on the Capitals to start the third period. Yes, these are two good teams, but in a month when the Islanders or Capitals are playing in a playoff, are we going to look back to to February 10th and see, oh, wow, the Islanders scored five goals today? Are we going to do that? Probably not. It doesn't mean anything. So not every game is going to be important here. 
So let's scrap all these stupid ideas, Manfred, and let's get on to the real issues. Like the Astros cheating. Like Stevie Cohen and the Mets. And I'm tired, so I'm going to wrap it up. Joe Morales underscore on Twitter. Also follow the show at MDM Pod on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook as well. This has been the MDM Podcast.